2017, and basically it's 10 principles on how to never be broke again. Um, this is not a get, get rich quick scheme or anything. This is actually long-term wealth. So if you're the type of person that just wants to get rich really fast, this is definitely not the seminar or the book for you. Uh, hey Matt, welcome to this live stream. And also I tried to make the principles in this book as simple and as practical as possible. So it's a, basically it's a system um, with missions and or calls to action with each principle that I explore so that you can actually, one, learn the theory behind how to never be broke again, but also be able to use one of the missions to actually learn this and get the experiences necessary to essentially become never broke ever again. Um, something that we also explore here, it's kind of like a... Hey Dylan, welcome to the live stream. It's kind of like a thought experiment, the way I wrote this book, because I did look at it as a work of pragmatic um, capitalist philosophy. Um, this means that it's kind of an intro to possibly a new way of thinking, depending on how you're raised, um, what culture um, you live in, and even basically what is your past experiences when it comes to finances. So I try to present here kind of a thought experiment to allow people to see finances differently so that they can make it possible to never be broke ever again. All right, so we'll get right into it with the first principle. Uh, hey, Plato, welcome to the live stream. So the first principle that we'll, we'll be looking at today is in the first chapter, it says right there, broke is a mindset and you don't want to ever have that mindset. So basically, um, little story to share. So in 2015, I actually invested all my money except $30. Um, and I told myself, if I don't find a way to make more money by the end of the month or the end of the week even, then I wouldn't be able to eat. Um, and I wouldn't be able to pay rent. So I basically put myself into a corner to make sure that I had no choice. I had to find another way to make money or I'm not gonna eat. This is basically when I lived in uh, Quebec in trois Um Also, while living in Quebec, I also took a trip to Montreal. And while taking this trip, um, I didn't bring enough money to find a way back home. I didn't bring enough money to uh, basically have a place to stay that evening. And I had left on, I believe it was Friday evening, and I had to make sure I was back by Sunday evening because I worked and I taught the next day. Um, to me, this was a challenge to, again, um, make it more concrete to not have this broke mindset that um, I would be able to find a way, that there's always opportunities, there's always money around to basically get what I needed, there's always the resources that I needed. And while leaving for Montreal without having a way back home, without having a place to stay, um, somehow I was able to meet with some friends, find some people, um, and actually ended up in like a five-star hotel at the end of the night. Um, dinner was all included. We had breakfast the next day and I found a way back home. Um, again, it was just a challenge. I'm not necessarily telling you or even suggesting that this would be a good challenge for you to try, but for me, it was one of the ways that I was essentially trying to break down my mindset to make sure I never have a broke mindset ever again. So basically a broke mindset, you wanna get started into reframing. So this art of reframing is taking how you see something and then changing it to view it in a different way. 
you want to make sure that you're looking at the world as there's always opportunities everywhere. I mean, right now I'm using my smartphone to make a live stream. Um, I use my smartphone to handle my finances. I use my smartphone to handle my um, rental properties. I use my smartphone to, I even have used my smartphone to write part of chapters in my book. There's always an opportunity now that we live in this technological age. So basically one of the key ideas here and how to not have a broke mindset and you don't ever want to have this mindset is basically instead of saying that you can't afford something, you want to ask yourself always, how do I afford something? And this will basically break down uh, prices into either time, sales, or assets. And to go a little bit more deeper into this, if I see, let's say, a new pair of shoes that costs, I don't know, let's say $60. Maybe I don't have $60 in my bank account. Let's just imagine for this, for example's sake. Instead of saying I can't afford it and just leaving it at that, my mind doesn't have to work that hard, it's just over, I can ask myself how do I afford these pairs of shoes? So now I can start breaking down the time. Maybe I'm working minimum wage because I had just started, maybe I'm a, a young uh, person just getting into the job market and I'm getting paid about $10 an hour. Now I break that down. I need to work about six to seven hours to be able to afford these shoes. Maybe I'm in a sales job and now I can start, I know what my commission is like. Hey Kelvin, uh, hey Matthew, welcome to the live stream. And yeah, maybe I'm in a sales game and now I can look at these pairs of shoes, it's $60. How many sales do I need to make to be able to get these pairs of shoes? Uh, another way is if I have assets, let's say I have some stocks that I own um, or maybe I have some, I mean, I guess I've had gold, I'd be able to afford these shoes, so that wouldn't work. But let's say I have a couple stocks, and now I can start looking at, okay, how many um, shares of the stocks do I have need to sell to afford these shoes? Or how many um, cents or dollars do my stocks have to go up so that my stocks actually pay for my shoes? Um, again, you're always breaking it down. I'm always asking, how do I afford the things that I want? Instead of just saying, oh, I can't afford it, and just giving up at that. An example here, a little bit more concrete, I guess, is with my book, How to Never Be Broke Again, while writing it, um, I was in school and I guess I didn't really have that much cash just sitting around. So instead of saying, oh, I can't afford to publish this book, what I basically did was I put it out there that I was writing this book and I started to get pre-orders. Using these pre-orders, I was able to get people to pay me in advance and I would use those prepaid dollars to print my book. So before I had even printed my book, before it was even done, I had already basically made a profit. Again, it's not having a broke mindset and that you don't ever want to have this mindset, this broke mindset, that you'll try to find solutions to basically your money problems. All right, so with that, I always wanna give you a mission with each of these principles. So with the first chapter, broke is a mindset that you don't want to ever have this mindset. The mission here is to start reframing your mind. Every time you see something that you want, start asking, how do I afford this? Um, this could be as something as little as 
a new gadget that you want. Maybe you want a PS4, I don't know, whatever you're into. Uh, or it could be something bigger. Maybe you want a brand new BMW. Maybe you want to go on vacation. Now you take that price point and you start breaking it down. What are the different ways that you can get to that price point? How many hours you need to pay? Hey, hey, uh, I think that's uh, Cody, I believe, Dodie Dortmund. Hey, Cody, welcome to the live stream. And yeah, just breaking it down. So trying to see how do you afford the things that you want, basically. And mathematically breaking it down. How much time do you need to do this? Uh, how much sales do you need to get to this? Or how many assets do you need to get to whatever you want? All right, so we're gonna go, I'm gonna change the image to chapter two here. So chapter two now, it's always pay yourself first. So that's chapter two. So you always wanna pay yourself first um, and you always wanna pay yourself in assets. This could be in stocks, bonds, real estate that pays um, a rental, gives you some rental income. And to quickly answer your question, Cody, hey, it's uh, nice seeing you again. And basically I'll be doing this stream for I guess about an hour, but depends how long I spend on each chapter basically. So we'll say minimum an hour, we'll see how long it goes there. I still gotta do groceries later. Um, so there's that, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So second chapter, always pay yourself first, always want to pay yourself in assets. Um, and then a question that I usually get whenever I tell people this is that, oh, what if I can't pay my bills? Um, this goes back to rule number one. Don't have a broke mindset. If you can't pay your bills, well, guess you got to find a way you either need to find more sources of income or maybe spend less so that you can pay those bills. I mean, we all got bills to pay. That's not really a choice, um, but you still wanna make sure that you're paying yourself first and not another company or not another entity. The, in other words, whenever a paycheck hits my bank account, I'm making sure a percentage of that is going to another bank account that's just for me, that's just for my assets, just, just for my future. Um, instead of whenever my paycheck hits, then I'm paying other people other bills, everyone else except me first. So regardless, whatever the percentage is, whatever the amount is, could be as little as $10, $25, whatever. Just, we'll go in more detail how to figure out those percentages later on, but you want to make sure that you're paying yourself first and not someone else essentially, or not another company, not another corporation. Um, basically, you wanna pay yourself first because you wanna solve the problem of money. Um, because if you don't solve the problem of money, it's always gonna to continue to be a problem. Um, a big help with this was reading the book Rich Dad Poor Dad, and if you haven't read this book yet, I highly, 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 highly recommend that you do read it. It's a very short read. Um, I believe even like a seven-year-old could read the book. It's very simply written, um, and it kind of breaks down a lot of these financial concepts for you. So basically, by always paying yourself first, you're slowly moving from graduating from having too little money problems to having too much money problems. And yes, having too much money can become a problem. An example of too little money problems is, again, you're asking yourself, you wanna buy something, but you immediately say you can't afford it. Go back to our first um, principle, you don't wanna have that broke mindset, so now you should be asking, how do I afford it? But what people don't really notice is that you can have too much money problems. So an example of this is, 
all of a sudden $9,856 hits your bank account. If you're not used to that, you're probably gonna freak out a little bit. You almost had five figures hit your bank account in one shot. A lot of people, especially without having proper financial literacy, don't know what to do with that. But if you have a system in place and that you know, okay, I immediately take, let's say 50% of that and it goes into my future fund, my pay myself first fund, my pay myself first account, and I don't see that anymore, it's gonna be used for long-term investments or basically for my financial freedom fund. After that, then I have all my bills I can pay and allocate that way. Or maybe I'm trying to save up for another property or another house or a big purchase, whatever it is. You need a system so that when big amounts of money come in, you don't freak out and you know what to do with it. Again, it's kind of funny to say that, but I see this happen a lot during tax season. People get a, almost a big check something bigger than they usually normally get and then they just spend it on dumb things like uh, new clothes or whatever i mean if you like new clothes whatever that's, that's cool but the thing here is that you want to make sure you have a system in place so that the, regardless of how much money goes into your account you know how to handle that whether you're in the beginning stages where you're still learning to make those checks a little bit bigger or if maybe you're in the later stages that you're getting i don't know like five figures just deposit into your account right away you got to make sure you have the mindset ready to be able to handle that and know where to put that and not just spend it right away so basically the second mission of the second chapter of always pay yourself first this mission is basically you want to track your income and expenses for a month you want to know how much you make in a month you want to know how much you spend in that month after you find this out you want to look at how much extra money you have if you don't have extra money you got two choices you either got to increase your income or decrease your expenses Make more, spend less. With your extra money, this is where you can start playing around with the percentage. You wanna pick a percentage that you can comfortably put away every time you get a paycheck and it just goes away into your pay yourself first fund, your future fund, whatever you wanna call it. This is money that you do not touch. It's ready for investments for the future, essentially. All right, so we're going into chapter three of the how to never be broke again. Again, if you guys have questions, just shoot them down in the comments. Um, it really helps also if you click like the heart or the little wave thing. Instagram kind of likes that, so it helps people see that this is actually something that people like and see that it's actually useful and offering you guys some value. So hopefully you guys are getting a little bit of value out of this and something that you can use right away. So we'll go on to chapter three, which is don't work for money, have your money work for you. Essentially, anytime you get paid, like we said in chapter two, you're putting a chunk away. Now that you have this chunk of money being put away every time you get paid, every month, every two weeks, whatever it is, every week, now you wanna try and put that money to use. You don't wanna work for money, but you want your money to work for you. The line here is that money is kind of like an employee that's really good at hiring more employees. So if you put your money to work for you, your money will actually give you more money. It's kind of like how the tool of money works. And money is a tool. It shouldn't be anything really emotional. It's just a tool that we use um, that happens to work for us because we live in this capitalist society, essentially. So with that money you're putting aside <clears throat> from chapter two, you want to get that money eventually or right away into an income-producing asset. 
this means this is a dividend paying stock is an example or a rental property or an example could be writing a book or something so that every time someone buys it you don't have to work for it anymore they just buy it you get a cut whatever it is so an income producing asset is something that whether it be every month every week just regularly it'll put money back into your bank account interest can be like this as well however you want to make sure that your interest rate is higher than inflation I believe inflation is about three percent ish um, you can double check online or with a financial professional um, but you want to make sure that your money is in a vehicle or in an account that will pay you every month this is an income producing asset so for example I have a rental property every month I'm getting money from this rental property, which I can then use to pay off my mortgage or to put more money aside to later on invest. Now, you're working towards a net worth that will basically pay you passively which more or equal to what you get paid at your job right now. So a couple key words here. So net worth, we'll be looking at this more in depth later on, but basically net worth is all the cash and assets that you have minus how much debt you have. This is how much your net worth is. This is basically how much all your cash, all your assets put together and then you take away any debt that you have. If you have a high enough net worth and your net worth is producing a certain percentage back as an income producing asset, then you want to you can kind of re reverse engineer it so that your net worth you have a target net worth. So once you hit that number, you will be making however much you need every month. For example, um, let's say I get 10, about 10% back um, through my stock dividends. I, some of my dividends pay me actually 13%. It's a little bit on the higher end, which is a little bit risky once you start looking at dividends and dividend paying stocks. However, 10% is usually what I'm able to get, about 9, 10% um, just every month I'll own units and shares of companies and every month they'll pay me a certain amount which ends up being about 10 percent so that means if i have let's say 100 grand as my net worth just in um, those stocks those companies every month well i guess it'll be a year because it's calculated annually every year i will get 10 percent of my hundred thousand invested back into my account so i get about 10 grand just sitting around if I want to stare at a wall, as long as I have a net worth of 100 grand and it's getting me 10% return, I'm getting 10 grand every year. Divide that, by, divide that by 12, that's how much I would get every month. So you wanna kind of figure out, reverse engineer, how much do you need, how much do you want to come in every month? And then you do the math to figure out how to get to that as your net worth. Basically, you can eventually get to a point where you make more through your investments than you would at your job. Um, a lot of people see this as, oh, now you can quit your job. Um, personally, I don't because one, I, I love my job, I love my career. Um, I intend to do this eventually for free to teach, uh, do philosophy and invest Base Well, I guess I can't really invest for free, but I can teach and do philosophy for free eventually. Um, because for me, my work is kind of one of the things that um, makes my life a little bit meaningful and I enjoy being in service to others. So 
another way you can do to look at this third chapter, don't work for money, have your money work for you, is don't work for money, don't work to earn, but you wanna work to learn. Basically, when you go to your job, um, regardless of if it's a job that you might not be super fond of or the job of your dreams, you wanna make sure that each day you're at least getting one lesson out of it. There's one aspect of your job or your work that you can learn from. <coughs> All right. One aspect of your job that you can learn from, you wanna take that aspect so you can apply it to your future dreams, your future dream job, your future career, business, whatever it is. You wanna make sure that every day you show up to work, every day you show up to your business, whatever you're doing, that you're learning and you're not just there to earn a dollar. Because if you're just there to earn a dollar, like, all right, that's, that's great. But again, first chapters don't have that broke mindset. You wanna have a growth mindset. You always wanna be slightly better than you were yesterday. Um, again, it's a little bit philosophical, but this is exactly why I said this is a work of philosophy, to try to make it as practical as possible. So practical part, your mission for chapter three is basically you wanna research income producing assets. You wanna start looking at what is a paper asset? What is a stock? What's a dividend? Um, how do you get rental income? Um, you can start looking at what's called a discount brokerage account. You can talk to your banker, your, your uh, financial professional about that. Basically, it's an account where you can start investing into the market. Um, you get to choose what's in there. Um, it's very easy to sign up. You just you can even do it online. Just go on your bank. You can type in a discount brokerage account. Um, I would do more research on it just to be sure that you completely understand what you're getting into just because with discount brokerage accounts, you're the one responsible for what you put into the account. Therefore, if you win money, you lose money. It's kind of all on you. Again, this is why financial literacy is important because you can get better as you get more financially literate to making the decisions necessary so that you can actually make money at the market or have those passive investments, those income producing assets come into your accounts month to month, week to week, year to year, whatever it is. All right, so let's move on to chapter four here. So chapter four, we got create multiple sources of income, AKA side hustles. So here you wanna have more than just earned income. So earned income is the money that you get through your job, through your work, through your career. This is basically you show up, you do your service, you have your product or whatever, your time is essentially what makes you money. So this is why people are paid a wage or a certain amount of dollars per hour. That's earned income because you actually got to show up. You actually need to put in the work and then you earn how much your time is worth. Um, however, with multiple sources of income, this side hustle chapter, we want to have more than just earned income. Basically, we want to use our earned income to create the other types of income. And the other types of income, we have profit income. There's seven, time, there's seven kinds, and I'll go through them in depth after just naming them. So we have profit income, we have interest income, we have dividend income, rental income, capital gains income, royalty income, and then finally the earned income that we mentioned before. So basically, first one that we'll look at is profit income. So profit income is what you get from buying and selling things. So you could have a garage sale, um, you can buy and sell stuff on Amazon. Um, if someone has it, you can probably buy it. And if someone 
out there wants it, you can definitely sell it. So profit income is you buy something low, then you sell high. The difference between that is a profit. Um, profit income also is related to a business. So let's say, um, for example, I have my rental property business and my profit would essentially be however much I make, how much do my renters pay me, my tenants pay me, and then minus my mortgage, my insurance, my property tax, all my expenses. I take away all my expenses and that's what I'm left off with, that's my profit. So in business, the cool thing is with profit, you actually pay tax on profit and you pay tax at the end of the year. We'll be looking at a little bit more. Whoops. Oh, my phone just fell there. Sorry, guys. Hey, Jan. Uh, welcome to the live stream. So again, profit income, it's basically you take your income minus your expenses if you're running a business or you're buying and selling things, and then you have a profit. How I got my profit income was starting my first uh, business. I actually had a little bit of a renovation business in the very beginning where I just painted and uh, redid some window sidings. And basically, however much I got paid, I got paid, then I paid out some employees. I'll tell the story later on. I paid off the employees, I paid off some of my expenses, and what I was left off of at the end of the day, that was my profit. Um, I also started um, an Amazon store where I sell books, I sell, um, different uh, artificial natural flavorings, um, kind of like ube for my uh, Filipino friends out there. I sell ube flavoring, and basically I buy my flavoring at a price, <coughs> then I sell it on Amazon for a little bit more, and the difference, that's my profit, that's what I get to keep at the end of the day. Next is interest income. So you get income from lending money. You guys probably know this with having a credit card or if you guys go borrow money from the bank, they'll actually put interest on it. Meaning if you borrow $1,000, you're not paying back $1,000, you're paying back $1,000 plus a little bit extra percentage because the bank or whoever, whoever the entity is, they lent you money. However, a lot of people have interest income working against them. What I want for you to create another side hustle is to use interest income to work for you. In other words, um, there's lots of different websites out there that look for lenders. Um, you can actually make extra money. If you have extra money sitting around, you lend it to these websites and then they'll give you back a little bit of interest and your principal after. Um, you could also do this privately. It's called private lending. So this is something that I started uh, about two years ago as well, where I had a little bit extra money sitting around some people would come to me and say, hey, I need a loan. They didn't have a credit card. Um, I do a little bit of an interview process just to make sure I can trust these people because it is a risky business. You are lending money to these people and these people could easily just run away with your money and not give you back your money, nor will they give you back your interest as a return. So I gotta make sure that I trust the people that I lend money to. So I would lend money to these people and after a few weeks, few months, depending on the terms, they would give me back my money um, and they would give me back extra because I lent the money. That's interest income. Next, you have dividend income. So that's a third source of income. This is dividend income. Hey, AJ, welcome to the live stream. So dividend income is basically you own dividend paying stocks. So a dividend paying stock is a stock that you own, part piece of a company, and every um, month, every quarter, every year, depends on the stock, they will actually pay you just for putting money and just for investing with them. 
So an example of this is Chorus Entertainment. Um, Chorus Entertainment, for the ones that know, all you 90s babies out there, it was that at the end of the YTV shows, there's that colorful, it's like blue, yellow, orange logo that said Chorus, C-O-R-U-S. And this was the company that was basically making our cartoons for us. Um, I found it fascinating how I could put money into Chorus um, and then they would actually pay me every month a certain amount of money. And in fact, this is actually how I got my first car, which was a used BMW. I had put money into Chorus and every month Chorus would give me money. Eventually, Chorus gave me enough money to purchase my first car, meaning that I actually didn't pay for my first car. Um, the company that made my childhood cartoons paid for the first BMW that I used as my first car. I mean, it wasn't a super fancy BMW, but nonetheless, I mean, I didn't pay for it. Another company paid for it um, and it worked fine. It was great. I actually really loved that car and now I have a Hyundai. Um, however, the money that was used to get the first car actually got to roll it over, meaning I got to take that money out and put it back into a new car that's worth a little bit more. Um, again, money that I necessarily didn't really have to work for. I just put the money into this company. This company paid me a dividend every month. Eventually, this dividend was enough to purchase something like a car that I was able to use. So again, it's not having that broke mindset, finding solutions to how to afford things. Um, it might take a little bit of patience. The thing with dividends, it's kind of slow, but it snowballs eventually. Um, but dividends is one of the first um, investments that I made, and I still make those dividend investments to this day. So next, you got rental income. So rental income, basically, this is income from renting out your property. So you can own property, rent it out, that person uses that space, and then you can use that money to pay off your mortgage, um, or use it for, if your house is already paid off, your property is already paid off, then you get that money free and clear after you pay all your expenses. Now, while writing my book, How to Never Be Broke Again, um, I actually didn't have a rental property. So I knew how this source of income worked, However, I didn't necessarily have the experience around it. Now I do have the rental income, so I do have a better understanding of how it works, and I'm actually looking more into building this uh, rental income. Next is capital gains income. So capital gains income is income from assets increasing in value. So you maybe you buy some gold, maybe you buy some silver. Um, you can buy oil. I have not done it. I don't think it's very safe to just have oil sitting around, but there's gotta be people out there that invest in oil. Um, or maybe you got a beautiful piece of art. So you buy these things at a lower price, and then maybe in a few years, a few months, a few weeks, whatever it is, those assets are worth a little bit more. So when you sell it, you get what's called capital gains. Again, it's kind of like profits. The difference between what you bought it for versus what you sold it for, and that difference, that's how much you make off of capital gains. This also works for um, stocks and shares and property. So you buy property at a lower price, you sell at a higher price, you will get the capital gains, which is the difference. Um, you will have to pay tax on that, of course. Next, finally, is royalty income. So royalty income is income from ideas. Usually this comes by creating content such as a book, such as a program, um, such as a course. And every time someone buys and uses those books, 
courses programs, you actually get a piece back. So that's royalties. Um, a YouTube channel is a perfect example of this. You would create YouTube videos, and then if people are enough people are watching it, then you would get a royalty based on how many people are viewing your YouTube um, videos. So basically, as you can see, there's many ways of creating different sources of income. And basically, you wanna have more than just earned income. Um, and just having multiple jobs not necessarily won't really cut it just because, I mean, there's 24 hours in a day. You need to sleep about six to eight hours, maybe five if you're one of those people. Um, but you need, you need sleep. You can't not sleep. And then you can't just work the whole day. I mean, there's other things that we need to do in life. Uh, but if you have side hustles, if you have other sources of income, a lot of them is you work for a little bit, you set it up, and then after it's just, it's automatic, right? You don't have to really maintain it too, too much. You don't have to show up every time for eight hours at a day, um, but you just have these multiple sources of income and then you just let them work for you essentially. So basically the mission for this fourth chapter is you wanna start reviewing the seven sources of income and you wanna write down all your ideas for these sources of income and you wanna try and start at least one this week, today, or this month. Um, make the mistakes, do it now. You'll learn from these mistakes, but you wanna try and start at least another source of income other than earned income um, and try to link it to your passion. I always found that it's a little bit easier to wake up early or stay up late at night and try building another source of income if it's something that I really, 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 really like. Um, an example for me, I love teaching, I love philosophy, so I kind of try to build income sources around that um, just because it's a little bit easier. I mean, if I'm having fun while building my source of income, I don't really view it as work. I'm not dreading to wake up and then go create something that's gonna pay me, pay my family for generations onward. Um, it's just, it's fun for me to think about philosophy and write philosophy books and it also makes it easier that if you fail, at least you did something fun and you'll, again, you'll always learn from it. So the mission for this chapter, this fourth chapter is try to start another source of income. Try it today, try it this week, try it this month, and we'll see how that goes for you. So we'll go on to the next chapter, which is chapter five. You want to give before you receive. So here we kind of take a little step back, gets a little philosophical, but again, we wanna highlight this idea of abundance, this idea that you're already whole, you already have too much, so here you wanna start giving back to everyone. I mean, if again, we wanna highlight that not broke mindset. You don't wanna have that broke mindset. You wanna kinda of look at it that you're always abundant, there's always opportunities. You already have too much, now it's, just, now it's to start giving back to others, start giving it for free. Um, to give free value with no expectations is a great place to be because you can give people a service, a product, kind of like what I'm doing right now, and I don't expect you to buy my book. I don't even expect you to buy any of my um, other products. You don't need to invest with me. You don't need to get into a real estate deal with me. I just really like financial literacy, and I find that if I give you this guys this for free, maybe it can help you out and maybe one day you'll give me a high five for helping you becoming more financially literate. And to me, that's freaking awesome. With this give before you receive, you always wanna remember that money is a tool. 
and tools need to be used. Now the question is how? How do you give before you receive? The simplest answer is to start donating, start giving donations. You actually get tax credits for donating money. This means that when you donate money, at the end of the year, you can write down how much money you donated and you can actually write that down in taxes. Right now it's tax season and you actually get some of that money back because you donated. Um, the government will always incentivize if you know the tax rules, if you're giving back, if you're helping society essentially. So the give before you receive, the mission for this um, chapter is very simple. I just want you to try and either give money to a charity um, or to the homeless, whatever it is, or if you don't have the money or the resources right now, start giving time. I personally think time is way more important than money because time is limited. I know that one day I'm going to pass away. Um, my money, there's basically an infinite amount of money in the world. You could always make more. I can't get more time. So if you don't have the money right now, start giving your time. Start sitting down with someone that you care about or start sitting down with someone that's homeless. Give them a meal, whatever it is. Uh, start giving your time at a local um, charity. Start giving your time to a local organization, a nonprofit, whatever it is. Or just start giving um, money through a charity. You just want to give before you receive. It's a little bit philosophical, but I find that the more that I start giving into the world, the more I start getting back. And whenever I'm not getting the things that I necessarily want, I gotta start asking myself, when was the last time that I gave to someone or I gave to people or I gave to my community without needing anything in return? So that's chapter five and we'll move on to chapter six. Here, chapter six is know your tax law. So right now we're right into tax season. I actually have a client later today that I'll be helping them out uh, with a little bit of consultation. We'll be doing our taxes together. Um, again, here, just to highlight, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not giving you financial advice right now. Always seek the advice of a financial professional. That means you should have your lawyer, uh, you should have your accountant, your financial advisor, all that. They're the ones that are the financial professionals. I'm a financial consultant, which is basically a kind of just share the info, um, get you guys to start asking the questions so that we can kind of get you to become more financially literate. Um, I can give you all the info, great, but I can't sit there, hold your hand, and get you to actually use this info, which is why with this financial consultation, my approach is to start getting you to ask those questions to yourselves so that you can become more aware of where are the areas that you lack, where are the areas that you're all good at, and then you can start guiding yourself either towards financial professionals or towards learning this on your own. So chapter six, know your tax law. <clears throat> I'm not an accountant, so I'm just gonna share some of the things that I know, again, verify with an accountant, depending on what province, country, area you're in. But once you get a tax professional, it's great to learn off them. They know a lot of the tax rules and the government, like I said, will always benefit you, will always incentivize you if you know the tax rules. Um, as an employee, one of the best tax rules you can use is your RRSPs um, or your spousal RRSPs. So if, for the ones about to do their taxes, you at the bottom, you actually get your RRSP contribution limit for the year. If you max that out, you're actually doing your best to get the best possible tax return that you can get at the end of the year as an employee. However, I suggest that you try to get independent contracts. Uh, hey King L94, welcome to the live stream. So 
if you can get an independent contract, this is kind of like a small business. It means that you actually pay tax at the end of the year and unlike an employee where every time you get a paycheck, your tax is already taken away, the government's already gotten a bit before you even got to touch it. Um, this means that if you have an independent contract or if you have a small business, you can make all your money, keep it all, decide how you spend it, and then you pay tax on your net profit at the end of the year. A lot of things, if you um, become an independent contractor or have a small business, which I highly, highly suggest because there is a lot of tax advantages, is that you get to write things off. An example of that is meal expenses. Here in Canada, you can write about 50% of your income through an independent contract, through a small business, into meal expenses. And this is great because anytime you go out um, to eat, as long as there's no alcohol involved, um, you go out to eat for dinner, breakfast, lunch, if you're out with a client, if you're out running business, um, and if you're really passionate about your business, it's very hard to not talk about it over food, right? So you can actually get about 50% back, you can write off 50% of your uh, meal expenses. Your gas too. So anytime I'm driving to a client's place, if I'm driving to um, interview a new, um, someone I'm gonna bring in into the companies, um, if I'm gonna hire a new employee, anytime I'm running business and using my car, as long as it's not for personal, I'm not going to work, I'm not going to go through groceries, but if I go to the bank, it counts as well. Um, I get to write off my gas. So I can actually log how much gas I'm using for personal, how much gas I'm using for my business, my independent contracts, and I take that amount and now I'm getting that percentage as basically a discount for my gas. So once I start having an independent contract, technically at the end of the year, I'm never paying full price for gas, which again, makes life a lot easier because now I can't complain about gas. I mean, gas is great. I'm using it to get more clients. I'm using it to build my business. I'm using it to become more financially literate. Also, if you're living somewhere, which you probably are, hopefully, and let's say you're renting or you own a place, you can actually write off a a certain amount of your space. So for me, I'm an author, I write books. So in my room, half of it is basically my office, which means that that space, half my room, I'm using it to write books, I'm using it to create content, I'm using it to be able to write my next book and publish it out. So the space that I'm using, I can actually write that off as in a business expense, which is freaking awesome because I'm actually making money while renting a space. I basically rent myself a property. Um, anyway, so the mission for this chap, this sixth chapter is you gotta visit CRA or just go on Google and start learning more about the tax laws. Do your research in the field that you wanna get into. So if you wanna get into rental properties, you wanna know the tax laws around that. If you wanna get into dividends, you wanna know the tax laws around that. If you're an employee and you just wanna maximize your RRSPs, get the best tax returns that you can get, start looking at these tax laws. Usually I suggest people do this before tax season, but since we are in tax season, it's never too late. CRA is a great resource. They basically give you a search engine that lets you search different tax laws and you can actually learn more tax laws just through researching. Do a little bit of reading, you put money into your pocket at the end of the month, at the end of the year, basically. Again, the government will always incentivize you if you know the tax laws and use it to your advantage. 
the more tax laws you know, more money you can keep, more money you can keep, the more you can use towards your um, financial goals. Really, girlfriend just walked in and dropped me off a donut. So that's awesome. I'll eat that in a little bit. Um, yeah, you start building a foundation towards your um, financial goals. Now, go on to the seventh chapter, which is knowledge is power, but only if you take action. So this is huge. I gave you, I've given you a bunch of info in the book and in this live stream. I've given you missions that you can actually use right away. Now the seventh chapter, I use it as a reminder that great, you have the info, but you need to take action on this info. You need to actually do these missions you need to take action, you need to get the results, you need to start making mistakes, start learning from the lessons. So this is why I give you action steps. Now an example of this is, you need to get the knowledge somewhere. So you can use it in this live stream, but I suggest that you try to go to seminars in your local town, local city. Um, seminars on financial literacy or business or um, just personal finances if you want, whatever it is. We'll start reading books on personal finance, business, and becoming more financially literate. And maybe you're trying to find a mentor. So a mentor is someone that you can look up to, someone who's in a spot where you want to be. So because for myself, uh, I'm a teacher, philosopher, and investor, I have mentors for all those um, aspects. I have someone that's an investor that's where I want to be in a few years, that's doing a lot more than I am and is able to do a lot more than I am so I can look up to them and learn from them. Same thing with as a philosopher. I have my philosophy prof that will have dinner with a bunch of other philosophers in the city and we can kind of just basically keep improving on our philosophy skills. And if I as a teacher, um, try to surround myself with other teachers that are way better at what they do than I am because they can see things. Your mentors can see things because they have the experience that you can't even conceptualize in your head. So this helps me and it's would also obviously help you if you have a mentor that has already been through the obstacles, been through the mistakes, been through the failures, so that they can tell you, hey, this happened to me, maybe you can avoid this. And this has saved me so much time in my career as a teacher, philosopher, investor, because my mentors have already made those mistakes, so they just tell me straight up, hey, try it this way. If it works, great, but at least you know that I've failed through this way, and you can kind of avoid those failures. So there's a lot of little tips and tricks that mentors will show you that can break things down for you. And again, these are just people with experience and it's very humbling to know that there's someone out there that's older than you, more experienced than you, but has also been through the mistakes. And a lot of these people are very happy to help you. Um, a lot of people that are a little bit older than me that are my mentors, they actually love it that young people want to see them get the help from them and then just to have them, sh like they can show me how to get where I need to go a lot quicker, a lot more efficiently, and a lot less headaches. So again, you wanna look at seminars, books, and mentors, and then get the knowledge from them. However, this chapter, it's more important, or if not as important, uh, to actually take the action steps. Um, for example, last week I had I went to a seminar, a real, a real estate seminar. Hey Boss Academy, welcome to the live stream. Um, but I went to a seminar and it was on my real estate business. So one of the action steps that I still need to do this week is actually need to rent a sign that says, we buy houses for cash. 
um, and put that on my properties so that whenever people pass by my properties, they know that I'm an investor. They know that I have access to buy homes with cash and I could buy their house for cash if they need to. Um, again, this will help improve my business essentially by getting more leads, more deals, more properties. Another example is back in 2016, I actually paid $129 to take a wealth and insurance seminar. Now, because I took this seminar, I learned so much on business. I learned a lot about the tax rules. I learned a lot about uh, business law. And actually at the end of it, once I got licensed in the financial industry, I actually made over $650 an hour just in a couple sales. Um, I would never have been able to do that if I had not taken a seminar. If I had listened to people who told me to not do it, not go for it, it's a scam, blah, blah, blah. I would not have been able to make $650 an hour, which to me was mind blowing because I never have made money like that. I always thought it was difficult to make money. Um, I don't know if you know me, but I grew up in the West End. I grew up in a lower income family when I was younger and money had always kind of been an issue just kind of why I wanted to write this book, How to Never Be Broke Again. So if there was someone in my position or if I could give this to my, my past self, I would be able to understand how to never be broke again. It wouldn't be an issue when I was younger. Um, however, I do see value in growing up basically poor um, because it shows me the necessity and kind of taught me how to work and grind for uh, what I need to do. Anyway, with this chapter seven, knowledge is power but only if you take action, you wanna find ways to get education and then use that education to move towards your goals. So again, seminars, books, and mentors are great resources if you listen to them, if you take the knowledge. But to take it the next step, you want to actually use that knowledge in the real world and not just think about it. It's great, if you have a great business idea, awesome. But if you don't do anything about it, time just passes and someone else is gonna take that idea and use it basically. So the mission for this chapter seven is you want to find books, seminars, and people that you can learn off of. So I suggest once a month, go to one seminar or read a book or find a mentor to get a meeting with them and then start taking action on what you listen to. So an easy example, you guys are all here in this live stream seminar. I've given you a bunch of info in the previous chapters and I've given you missions to actually take action on that. If you just do those missions, take that knowledge, then you're taking that step of using knowledge as power and using it by taking action. So let's go on to chapter eight. We got two more after this. So eighth chapter, you wanna move towards a net worth paradigm. So I hope you guys are having uh, a blast and you guys are learning a lot of things and getting a lot of value out of this. Again, if you guys can like comment, put some questions in, I'll probably get to those questions near the end, we'll have a little uh, question section. Um, but also if you tap that little wave or little hearts, kind of helps uh, Instagram know that this live stream is actually useful to people and they're actually getting some value out of it. So if you can get a quick like or a quick wave, that'd be awesome. Hey, uh, Hill Skirt, welcome to the live stream. So chapter eight, you wanna move towards a net worth paradigm. So a couple of big words here. Um, thank you for the heart and the like. Really appreciate it. it. Let's Instagram know that this is actually something that's of useful, of utility to the world. So paradigm. A paradigm is the lens that you see the world through. So in this case, it's the lens that you see finances. 
So a lot of people, when they think finances, they're just like, oh, let's just make a lot of money. Um, great. However, I suggest, and in my book, one of the principles is you want to move towards a net worth paradigm, not necessarily an income paradigm. So an income paradigm is that lens that you see finances as you got to make more money to solve your problems. Not necessarily. With the net worth paradigm, once you move to that, net worth is essentially all your assets, all your cash, um, assets, stocks, bonds, rental properties, minus all the debt that you have. So basically your net worth is the amount of money uh, and buying power that you have, that you have essentially. And if you have a net worth paradigm, you wanna make sure that you are always increasing your net worth. So because your net worth is calculated by assets minus liabilities or debt, there's two ways to increase your net worth every month. You either can get more assets, so save more cash, have more cash, have more gold, have more silver, have more assets, um, have more stocks, have more properties, whatever it is, or you can decrease your liabilities, decrease your debt. So start paying off your credit card debt, start paying off your mortgage, start paying off any line of credit, student loans, whatever it is. As you increase your assets and you decrease your debt, you're increasing your net worth. So you wanna start keeping money now. You wanna start increasing your net worth now. A lot of people will get into this idea that they will increase their net worth, they'll start putting money away, they'll start investing once they make a little bit more money. Um, I suggest that you don't do this, you start now, because a lot of these things, um, when it comes to finances, it's all habitual. You want to create those habits now while you're young so that you're set up, you have a foundation ready. Um, this is why when I wrote How to Never Be Broke Again, I tried to make it into a 10-step system, a 10-principle system, so that there's 10 habits that you're always doing. Once it becomes automatic, you already know. Every month, you're already putting money away. You're already investing every month. You're already decreasing your debt every month. You're already calculating your expenses. It's all just a habit. I even take it to the next step. Um, I do free consultations. Um, basically, I look at your financial situation by asking you questions. And then together, we build a budget or a cash allocation system. So I have this on my phone. Essentially, what it lets me do is we'll calculate how much you spend on whatever your bills, how much you want to invest a month, whatever it is. And it's all broken down into a percentage. So anytime a check comes in, I just type the check amount into my phone and it goes, all the numbers are calculated. I know this much has to go to Shaw. This much has to go to my mortgage. This much has to go to uh, my cash fund just because I'm saving up six months on my mortgage. This much goes towards uh, investing in the stock market. This much goes towards my own personal education. This much goes to groceries, whatever it is. It's all automatic. So again, it's even next step from being habitual. It's almost, it's just a system. I type it into my phone. I know exactly where my money needs to go. I don't have to stress about it, think about it too much. So here, by moving towards a net worth paradigm, you wanna make sure that your net worth is going up every month. Even if it's bit by bit, even if it's $10 a month, $20 a month, whatever it is, you want that net worth going up every month. Again, how do you do this? Increase your assets or decrease your debt. So the mission is you wanna calculate your net worth. You can quickly do this right now. So you wanna start by adding up all your assets, adding up all your cash, all your savings, all your um, income properties, all your stocks, all, it is, all whatever it is, all your assets, 
minus all your liabilities, all your debt. Once you have that number, that's your net worth. Again, had it never even broke again, to simmer it down, it's basically you want um, a positive net worth because being broke is essentially having zero dollars as your net worth. You actually, if you're in debt, if you have a negative net worth, that means you actually have to work hard to pay off debt to be broke. Um, so I see here there's a little symbol saying that I got about a minute and a half left in this live stream. I will come back to finish off the last two chapters and then we'll have a little bit of a Q&A period if you guys are interested. Um, so bear with me in about a minute. I'll just finish off this last mission, then I'll restart the live stream and we'll go back right into it. So again, chapter eight, move towards a net worth paradigm. Mission, calculate your current net worth, add up all your assets, minus all your debts, and then that gives you your net worth for the moment. The goal and the mission is to increase that net worth month to month to month to month. If you're a little bit more intense, a uh, little bit more motivated, let's say, you can try to increase your net worth day to day. Um, something that I tried when I was a little bit younger. Um, it's a little bit taxing, a little bit stressful, but it's a good exercise. I wouldn't do it for long periods of time, but something you can do for like a 30 day challenge or anything. So I'm gonna shut down the live stream for a moment and then I will restart this live stream. Um, hey, King, uh, I know you gotta get to work. I see it there. Is there any way you'll be able to rewatch it? Yes, I will be able, uh, you will be able to rewatch this. I'll actually turn this into um, like an IG video or a YouTube video, whatever it is. Um, and I'm actually recording this as a podcast as we do this right now. So I got 10 seconds. I'm gonna shut it down real quick. Go back on in about 30 seconds. Just gonna pour myself some coffee. Then we'll go right into it. Hey, I thank you guys for showing up for the first part of how to never be broke again. See you guys in a bit. So we are back. Thanks so much for all the ones that were there for the first part of the How to Never Be Broke Again financial literacy live stream. Hope you guys have been getting a lot of um, value out of this. It's awesome just sharing this with you guys. I actually find this a little bit more um, direct, let's say, than just getting you guys to buy a book or someone reading the book. Um, but yeah, totally awesome. Um, this is great. I love that you guys are commenting. I see a lot of people hitting the likes, hitting the little wave, little heart button. So again, I suggest you guys do that because it does help with the Instagram, um, I guess, algorithm. Every time you guys hit that little wave, every guys time you guys put a little comment, question, hit the little heart, it actually tells other people that this live stream is actually useful and you're getting something out of it. All right, so we'll go right into it. Let me just pull up the ninth chapter here. So ninth chapter is, so chapter nine, we'll go right into it, is make more than you spend and increase your income. So with this ninth um, principle, this ninth chapter, you wanna make more money than you spend and increase your income. 
So this one actually comes after the net worth paradigm because again, I want to make sure that people are actually increasing their net worth month to month before they decide to start working, increasing their income. Again, making more than you spend, it's pretty, let's say obvious, but it's not necessarily followed or practiced as often as you would think. So basically, if you make $100 today, you should not spend more than $100 today. Why? Because if you spend all your $100, what are you using? Also, if you have an annual income, you wanna make sure that your annual income is less than what you spend a year. Because again, you wanna be able to put money away into your future, basically. Again, it's very important to start now, to start making sure that you're making more than you spend right now and that you're slowly increasing your income right now. Again, if you look back at the previous chapters, we have multiple sources of income. You wanna start looking at multiple sources of income. Um, once you get to this ninth chapter, increasing your income, maybe you wanna focus on some of those uh, side hustles or maybe just focus on your career, whatever it is, and start slowly building the skills so you become more valuable in our marketplace, in our society, so that people actually pay you for that value. They pay you more for your time. Again, as you'll see here with this chapter, you can actually increase your net worth a lot faster if you're obviously making a lot more money. When I was younger, I was making a minimum wage and it was very hard for me to put away about $500 every month to invest. Now, as I'm a teacher, I have my multiple sources of income. I can easily put away $500 every month towards my investments, but it took a long way to get there. I was slowly, month to month, increasing my income until eventually I was able to afford putting away um, more money, essentially, being able to pay myself first more. So the mission for this ninth chapter is basically you wanna review your budget and or make your budget and you wanna see how much are you making a month? How much are you spending a month? Um, how can you increase your income so that you can increase your net worth? Um, again, you wanna make sure you're making more than you spend, that's the first part, and then you can start increasing your income. This does not mean increasing how much you spend because again, that happens to a lot of people. They'll get their first career and then bam, they'll just spend a bunch more money. Um, improve their lifestyle, so to say. However, once you get that career or that business, once our money starts coming in a lot easier, you wanna make sure that you're still spending less than you make and you're making more than you spend. And then again, you're slowly, either through education, through mentors, through other side hustles, you're slowly increasing your value, slowly increasing how much you make. So let's go on to the final chapter here, the final principle, which is know your financial independence number, your FIN number. So your financial independence number, this is basically your net worth that's equal to 15 years of annual income, or it's the amount of investments that you need to basically replace your earned income for the rest of your life. So if I take myself for an example, right now, thanks to um, the gift of being able to teach, uh, the gift of having my businesses, my side hustles, my investments, I make in a year just under 100,000 a, 100, a year, six figures. Um, this is assuming that my business doesn't grow, um, but if it does, I should be able to hit uh, six figures easily, so to say. Um, 
Now, my net worth, my financial independence number based on that number of, of 100 grand a year is 100 grand times 15, which is uh, 1.5 million, I believe, and that would be my financial independence number. Once, my, once I have a net worth of 1.5 million or my, net, my annual income of 100 grand a year times 15 years, again, that's gross income, not net, um, once I have that as my net worth, basically I'm financially independent. Or I can reverse engineer it, calculate a different way, which is find how much investments do I need to basically replace my earned income right now. So to make about 100 grand a year, I'm making in about 8,300 a month in gross income and I need to to become financially independent, I need to make that much a month passively. So example, um, let's say I have, let's say later on in the future I have five properties um, and those pay me equal to $8,300 a month. Like those numbers are way off now that I just said that. Um, I'm gonna need probably 10 to 20 properties that pay me like $500 a month um, in cash flow to replace my income, replace my earned income. Um, Basically, you wanna create a plan for this. So again, your financial independence number is your annual income gross times 15 as a net worth, or you wanna find out how much your investments are giving you each month, and then you wanna make sure how many more of those investments do you need so that you can replace your income. Now, you wanna make a plan for all this because there's a line that says, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. This is the same thing with finances. It's the same thing with, I mean, your career, your business, wherever it is, you want to plan. You want to, you want a goal at the end. So if you know your financial independence number, you know where you're trying to get to. Again, for me, um, just a quick calculation. It's 1.5 million. I know that my financial um, freedom number, where it's like, instead of just replacing my income, I would make enough money every month that I literally could not imagine how to. Spend spend it all so I would just be like blowing all my money on like video games or like traveling or um, education seminars whatever the stuff I'm into and I can't think of stuff anymore to spend it on that's financial freedom um, my number is about seven million six hundred no seven million six hundred thirty eight thousand once I get that I basically liberate my family for the next six generations uh, based on my calculations because I want to I want to be able to provide um, a college fund, um, a trust fund for the next six generations of my family. Once I get to that, then like I'm good. Money's definitely not a problem anymore. Um, but that's a long way. But I have my whole lifetime to work for that. A financial independence number is just replacing your income. Technically, had it never be broke again you just need to reach what's called financial security. So financial security, instead of replacing your income, you make enough through your passive investments to pay for your expenses every month. So let's say I'm spending about, let's say $3,000 a month. Um, I spent that much in January. Um, but again, January is a little bit busier just because I had some lawyer fees I had to pay for. I had uh, the property that was closing. I had um, Christmas was just around the corner, so I spent a little bit more that month. But if I can make how much 
I spend every month passively through my investments, whether it be through rental properties, through stocks, bonds, real, uh, real estate business, um, whatever it is, selling my books. If I can make that every month passively without having to work, then every month my bills are paid. Every month I can stare at a wall, so to say, and my bills would be paid, my mortgage would be paid, my food, my entertainment, whatever it is, all my expenses would be paid. That's financial security. Um, however, why I say financial independence is because if you shoot for financial independence, if you shoot, if you aim to have enough investments to replace your earned income, then you don't have to worry about your expenses. I mean, your earned income should be higher than expenses anyway. Um, so with that, how to never be broke again, you wanna have enough passive uh, investments and enough passive income to replace your earned income, that's financial independence. If you want it to replace um, and be able to cover your expenses every month, that's your financial security number. So the mission here, very simple, you can go online and you wanna calculate your financial independence number and your financial security number. You can seek a financial professional to do this. Um, I know insurance brokers do this. I know other different kind of uh, financial, invest, uh, financial advisors do this as well. Again, I'm not a financial advisor, I'm a financial consultant. Um, so I can point you towards uh, professionals that do this, but I can't do that myself. Um, but there are programs online where you can just Google financial independence number, financial security number, and then calculate it based on your own um, numbers. Again, you want to, each of these plans, each of these uh, financial um, roadmaps are catered towards you, which is why I really put the emphasis on becoming more financially literate so that one, you know um, where to get this info from, you know um, who to trust, how to know how to basically determine if the person in front of you knows what they're talking about, um, if the numbers make sense, and then if you can move on uh, with their services, their products, or whatever it is. So that's basically it. So we'll do a recap of the 10 principles of how to never be broke again. Um, again, I'll be putting on um, this video, this will be saved, this will be broken up into little videos that I'll be posting on Instagram. Um, Hey Dylan, uh, hey Hellskirt, hey Christine Reyes, Christine Reyes, welcome to the live stream. And this has been recorded as a podcast as well. Um, but just to run it down through the 10 principles of how to never be broke again. So number one, broke is a mindset. You don't want to ever have that mindset. Number two, always pay yourself first. You're always paying yourself first into an account that you're using for future investments. Anytime you get a, a paycheck, anytime you get money in, you're taking a chunk of that, a percentage, and putting it away to pay yourself. Make sure you're paying yourself first and not another company, not the bill collectors, not even the bank, whatever it is. Chapter three or principle three, don't work for money, have your money work for you. Chapter four is create multiple sources of income or side hustles. You wanna have multiple sources of income, not just earned income want to have at least two minimum. Um, chapter five is give before you receive. A little bit philosophical, but I always find that the more value you give to the world, the more that you get back. So always give before you receive, whether that be through charity, whether that to be given through your time, always give before you receive. Chapter six, principle six, is know your tax law. If you know your tax law, the government will incentivize you. In other words, the government does give you money for knowing its tax law. 
However, you need to go out and search what these tax laws are. Chapter seven, knowledge is power, but only if you take action. So this whole live stream, I've given you a bunch of info. I've given you missions for each of the, the principles. However, it's great to have that knowledge, but the power comes in actually using it. So those missions, I really suggest that you take a look and review the missions if you weren't writing it down and use those missions to take action. Hey Sam, welcome to the live stream. Hope you, you're near the end here, but again, the live stream has been posted earlier as well. So chapter eight, paradigm eight, or sorry, not paradigm, uh, principle eight is move from an income paradigm towards a net worth paradigm. So you wanna start focusing on how much money you keep at the end of the month versus how much money you make at the end of the month. This financial game, a lot of it is keeping more of your income, basically. Focus on your net worth. Make sure your net worth is increasing month to month. Hey Sam, good stuff at the battle yesterday. Uh, for the ones that know, um, I'm a b-boy, I'm a dancer, and Sam in this uh, chat is also a b-boy and dancer, and we had a dance competition yesterday. Uh, super fun. Um, didn't get to battle Sam, but got to cipher with them a little bit, but yeah, super awesome. Um, chapter nine, principle nine, is make more than you spend and increase your income. Straightforward. Chapter 10 is know your financial independence number. You need to know what that number uh, as your end goal is. What's the number that will liberate you financially? What's the number where you'll become financially independent, where your investments will actually pay and replace your earned income? So that's about it. Um, it's Patrick Clare here. If you guys have questions, um, we'll leave it open for a couple minutes. Um, I'll give you guys a little bit more extra value Something that I've learned after writing this book is you really want to filter out who you're getting your financial advice from. So whenever people uh, come to me with like a business opportunity or if they want to like sell me something when it comes to finances, I'm always asking them a couple questions um, that they should be open answering. Um, they should be able to answer how much do they make in a year um, or how much money have they made What's the most amount of money they made in a year? Um, what's their net worth? They should be, people in this financial industry and the financial game should be comfortable with telling you how much they make and how much their net worth is. Um, how much uh, income sources do they have? Do they only have one income source? Do they have multiple? Do they run a huge business? Do they run a bunch of little businesses? Whatever it is, you wanna know how much um, multiple, how many income streams do they have? Um, another one is how long have they been doing what they've been doing? Um, someone's uh, like my real estate uh, investor mentor, um, they've been investing in real estate for over five years and they've been mentored by people that invest in, have been investing for way longer than that. You want people with more experience than you so they can actually guide you towards this. Um, and the last one, last question you want to ask um, is essentially um, where do they uh, get their financial info from. Um, a lot of this, a lot of finances is, a lot of, big part of it is networking. Um, so like for myself, I have a bunch of mastermind groups or groups of people that um, all share the same interest of becoming more financially literate. And if you are interested in joining this financial um, literacy group, just send me a DM and I can add you to this. It's completely free. It's just a bunch of people around um, this age, the millennial age, we have some people a little bit younger, some people a little bit older, um, but it's just a group of people that are all interested in getting their finances right and 
we do build a community around that to make sure that these people and all of us are accountable, that we're not just talking about finances, but each day we're taking um, basically the steps necessary to move towards becoming financially literate. All right, so here we got some question from Hill Skirt. So next year he's leaving his mama's house to study in another city, calculate, and he's calculated expenses, income, and I'll be and I'll be coming flush. I have relatively a lot of money saved up, but I'm not willing to get my net worth down. All right, so good question. So you're, you're gonna be moving out to another city, moving out probably maybe for the first time, maybe not. Um, again, start another source of income. Make sure that you not necessarily just use the money you've saved up to burn it while you're living out there. Um, if you're gonna go study somewhere, in university is a great time to start a business. You have the time, again, you gotta be studying, but it's not like you have a career that's demanding you 100 hours uh, of work a week. You have the time there on your free time. Try to find some free time and start building an income. If you do have some money saved up, this is a great opportunity to maybe get into, um, instead of renting out in this other city, maybe you can do what's called house hacking. So house hacking is basically you buy a property, rent out the other rooms. Now you basically are essentially living for free or living for less, um, and you can start increasing your net worth. Um, another way you can kind of move around that hill skirt, uh, make sure your net worth doesn't go down, is try to find maybe a business partner. Um, you guys can both start working together to start another side hustle. Start making some income on the side or start working um, another job possibly or just a just a job while you're doing this now, I do suggest you try to get an independent contract because there are benefits to that um, if you want a little bit more info you can slide me into a DM and then I'll try and I, I need to get a better view of where you're at and what your goals are so that we can kind of do a consultation we can do a call or something uh, but yeah if you don't want your net worth to go down and you're moving out of the city um, I suggest just starting another income source um, try and find ways to reduce your expenses so you're not eating away at your savings um, or invest your savings so that you can use that. Hey, uh, Mark Matudan, welcome to the live stream. We're in the question um, section. So next question, we got Sam here and he's asking, can you give your opinion on different investment options, GICs, bonds, mutual funds, and stocks? All right, awesome, great question. Um, just to make sure I'm not a financial advisor, um, so I do suggest that you find financial professionals and I can point you towards financial professionals that are in my team that I work with um, but again I'm a financial consultant so a lot of this is, is try to guide you towards uh, answers on your own um, with GICs bonds and mutual funds and stocks um, one of the things I know of mutual funds is that there there's what's called an MER fee so this is a management um, it's MER it's management expense so management expense ratio is what it stands for basically um, it's how much that mutual fund will take away regardless of if you make money or if you don't. It's basically the fee that they'll charge for managing your mutual fund. Um, so the thing about that is if it's anything over two to three percent, it's quite a bit and you can eat up to almost like 50% of your um, your end investment. You can look at more of the the calculations around this. A good book I suggest is Mastering the Money Game by Tony, Robin, Tony Robbins. Awesome resource. It really breaks down all those different kind of options. Um, personally, 
I like to stick to stocks. Um, I do have ETFs as well. Those are exchange-traded funds. Um, the difference between a mutual fund and exchange-traded fund is that uh, an ETF is basically managed by a computer, so it's not an actual person picking your stocks for you, because a mutual fund is, is essentially a bunch of stocks all put together, and so instead of you picking your stocks, you get a big chunk of a bunch of different stocks, and now you have the diversity of all those stocks compared to if you're just invested stocks, you just have that one stock. Now, with a mutual fund, it is usually managed by an actual person and actual people, put in actual value, put in actual time, so they have bigger fees related to this. However, an ETF, it's done by a computer, so there's like an algorithm, basically, that will pick whatever stocks, it'll allocate whatever stocks, and then it'll just do the trading for you you just put money into this etf personally i like etfs better because there's almost you can you can get an etf that has basically no uh, management expense ratio or no fees for managing it because it's a computer um, and it saves you a lot of money in the long run um, also it's an algorithm right so you can if you increase your financial literacy you can kind of see um, what algorithm it's kind of using or what kind of stocks it's looking for some of them are a little bit risky, some of them are less risky, and you can kind of see um, what you're comfortable with, and you can just put in there, kind of just let it set and forget. Um, GICs and bonds, I'm not really a fond of because they lock your money in, and you don't, sometimes you have to pay a fee if you want to take your money out, um, but they are quote-unquote safer, because um, sometimes they'll guarantee, like a GIC is a guaranteed, um, investment certificate so it's a guaranteed amount that you'll get usually the interest rate is a little bit lower again you want your interest rate to at least beat inflation or else you're basically rotting your money away every time you put into these um, investment vehicles uh, bonds is basically kind of like interest income you're lending it to a company lending it to a government um, again if you're uh, it's a little bit more on the safer side uh, financial professionals will say um, compared to stocks and mutual funds. Um, personally, I like investing in dividend-paying stocks um, just because they have worked for me so far, um, and I know I can kind of calculate. I have the formulas already. Um, I have like a spreadsheet so that I know how much money I have to put into a stock so that every month, not only is it giving me free money um, just for investing into that stock, but it's I get I know the number, I know the amount of money I have to put into a stock. So that instead of every month it's giving me cash, it's giving me a new stock. So you get it's called a dividend reinvestment plan. Um, a little bit more advanced, you can kind of research this. It's called a drip or a dividend reinvestment plan. So basically, once you invest enough into a stock um, that every month you get a dividend that's more or equal to the price of one unit. Now, instead of getting cash, you're getting another unit. So you have a certain number of units, um, and now every month, because you have this number of units, you're getting another unit. So next month, you have one more unit, so you're getting a little bit more than one unit, and it keeps snowballing until eventually you have a bunch of units working for you. Um, again, not a financial um, advisor, so if you wanna learn more about this, I suggest you do your own due diligence, you search your own, um, financial professionals, financial advisor to kind of break this all down for you.
Um, all right, so Hellskirt um, says that he's only 16, but I'm willing to get my finances right. Awesome. I actually started learning all about this at 17, so you're actually ahead of the game. Well, I caught my phone there just the last second, almost fell. But that's super awesome, Hellskirt. Um, great that you're getting started at 16. Um, awesome, Sam. Hopefully that answered your question. Helps a lot. Um, if you want more resources on that, I can send you some documents. Just send me a DM um, and yeah. But yeah, Hillskirt, great, start at 16. I start at 17, so you're already a year ahead. And yeah, never too late, never too early to start a side business. Um, for the ones, hey Madtrack, welcome to the financial literacy question section of the seminar, of this live stream. Um, if you wanna go back and see the whole live stream, you guys can always go back to that. Um, but yeah, so I've got a couple dancers in here, so I'll just throw this out there. Um, as a dancer, you are basically a business. So there's that line that Jay-Z says, uh, I'm not a businessman, I'm a business man. And I thought that was always cool because like as a dancer, we're kind of basically a business. Um, if you guys teach dance, if you guys do performances, if you guys enter competitions and use that to make money, then you're basically a business. Meaning anytime you use money to get better at your craft, like a workshop, like professional development, you can actually write that off tax. Um, again, find your own tax professional, whether that be a tax attorney or um, an accountant, they'll teach you more about this. I had a dance director that I worked with that was super awesome and had a very open philosophy, shout out to Allison Bondman. Um, she actually helped me um, figure out all the tax rules I have as a dancer, as a dance instructor. So anytime I buy clothing for dance, so like yesterday I had a dance competition, I haven't bought new dance shoes for almost five years, but I used my money I made in dance to buy those dance shoes and those dance clothing that I'm using to teach dance and to do my performances. I didn't pay for that, my business paid for that. My b-boy design, my b-boying, my breaking, class, my breaking business, um, actually pays for those things and I can write it off. Anytime I go out to eat, again, this goes back to knowing my tax rules. Anytime I go eat with some dancers and we talk about how to like choreograph our pieces for the this dance season, how do we uh, build more workshops, wherever it is, anything dance related, it's basically, it is a business meeting. So again, I can take my receipts as long as there's no alcohol involved. Um, then I can write those off. So perks of being a b-boy, being a uh, hip-hop dancer, being a dancer or a dance instructor in general. Um, it is a business and you can use your business uh, related expenses to get more in your taxes. Um, so yeah, if there's any other questions, type them out there. Again, if you like what you have learned in this free live stream how to never be broken financial literacy seminar make sure you do a little wave hit the little wave button hit the little heart helps with the instagram algorithm to show that you guys actually get value out of these live streams and yeah so basically hey shout out to hillskirt for hitting that button and basically i'll probably do another one of these live streams later on shout out to someone whoever hit the heart uh hey kevin welcome to the live stream we're in the question section so I'll probably do another let's say 10 15 minutes of questions then i gotta get ready and go for groceries uh hey kevin awesome stuff hey
Hey, Matt Track, thanks for the love, man. Respect. Uh, hopefully, I can go back to Quebec sometime soon. I still need to meet up with uh, Chris and Max back in Trois-Rivières, um, but hopefully that will come sooner than later. Um, for the ones that don't know, I lived in Quebec for a little bit and it was the greatest time of my life. And it also helped with learning a lot of this financial, um, financial literacy. And basically I got to, I was able to test out what I learned um, just in theory and then start building from there. Um, if you go back to one of the chapters, uh, it is give before you receive. Uh, a story is that when I lived in Quebec, I actually volunteered for more than, I believe it was more than five months just teaching dance. Um, just because, one, for me, I wanted to learn the lingo in French. I wanted to teach dance in French. So I volunteered to do this for five months. By the sixth month, they actually offered me a job. And to this day, actually, no, I've been paid more um, at one of the studios here. But in Quebec, um, the dance pay was pretty nice. Um, but yeah, I did it for free for like five months and then got the value out of it. And yeah, they offered me a job. So it's a perfect example of giving before you receive. I don't expect people to just give me opportunities to teach dance, but I'm very open to just giving out this content for free. And maybe one day they'll give it to me. But again, no expectations, just giving it out for free. And hey, Sam, awesome. I appreciate that. And I love that you are enjoying the insight. No worries that you came late. Uh, it's glad, I'm glad that you got a lot out of it. The video will still be available after, so don't worry about it. Uh, hey Drifter, welcome to the live stream. So I'll take uh, maybe two more questions, then I gotta start getting ready to go groceries. So if you guys have a question, write it down. Oh yeah, it's coffee is delicious. Wow, that was... That was pretty long. I, we did an hour and a half of this live stream. So hopefully I got some good content and we got this podcast going too. So if you go, guys go on my uh, profile, there's actually a link true there. It has a bunch of links. I probably got to clean that up a little bit so you guys can easily access the podcasts and the videos and whatnot. Um, so yeah, so you guys can hit the little like button, hit the little wave, hit the heart, let people know on Instagram that this live stream was useful, did offer some utility. You guys did learn some stuff from it. Um, that would be super awesome. And yeah, if you guys have questions, type them out. I'll probably take one or two more and then yeah, I'll get ready to get some groceries. You guys got any ideas of what I should cook this week? I am. I had chicken last week, so mm, not too sure. I should probably make my grocery list. Let's see if I can add a little bit more value. Oh, awesome, Sam. Thanks for hitting the likes, loving the hearts. Super awesome. Um, I guess here, one more I can probably send you guys if I can find it. It's this video, not a video, but it's, uh, where is it? Questions. No, I can't find it. It was like a, kind of like a meme that I made of different, um, different sources of income that I've had. I guess I did go through that. Um, hey, Mad Track. Hey, thanks a lot. Live at the end. I'll go check out the whole podcast now. Awesome. Uh, podcast should be available soon, um, but the whole live stream seminar is available on Instagram. Um, I am gonna save it and then I'm gonna try to put it all together. Probably make like a 
Instagram video, IGTV, or maybe a YouTube video. We'll see how it goes. Um, but for sure, I'm gonna be cutting up the sections of this live stream and then putting it out as content. Um, that's where I can give you some free value. So with social media, with all this uh, creating value, creating content, the reason I did this live stream was one, um, because I had already profited off my book. So at this point, it's just, I wanna give this out for free. And I found that a live stream is probably the best way I can do this to just talk about it. So I save you the time instead of spending like an hour and a half reading my book. It's a very short book, as you guys can see, available on Amazon. If you guys want to get it, awesome. Just search How to Never Be Broke Again by Dasein, a philosopher on Amazon. If you don't want to get it, totally cool. I gave all the info and more in this uh, seminar. So technically, if you took the notes, if you're listening, paying attention, you got the missions and the theory you have way more than what I've actually provided in the book, so you don't even need to get it. Another reason why I want to give this live seminar is just because I find that if someone had given me this info when I was younger, money would have been less of a problem when I was younger. Um, would have saved me so much time. So going back to how I can give you a little bit more free value in this world of, it's basically the information age. If you're, let's say very knowledgeable about something. I suggest that you create the live stream, do a live stream, connect with your viewers and give all the info out. Just because if you do this long form video, one, you can turn into a podcast if you're recording at the same time. Two, you can turn to a YouTube video by just saving the video and putting it on YouTube. Three, you can cut up different pieces and now you get little segments, one minute segments or one minute photos. Um, one minute photo, that makes no sense. <laughs> one minute video that you can upload onto Instagram. Now you have free content. Um, or you take little screenshots and put in the, put in like a quote or something. So now you're creating a bunch of content. You create content once through a live stream. Now you have all your different pieces of content um, that you can use. I actually got this from a social media seminar that I attended last week. And again, Knowledge is power, it's chapter seven of my book, principle seven. So if I learned something last week, I need to use it as soon as possible or else I'm just thinking about this stuff and reading about it, learning about it, but not necessarily using it in the real world. Um, so yeah, and got about four more minutes. So if there's any more last questions, I believe my phone might even be dying soon, like 10%. So we'll take one more question, and after that, we'll be done. Um, I'm glad that, to have you guys come out. I'm very, 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 very appreciative to everyone that came here. I know you guys' time is very valuable, and that you guys actually sat down, maybe took some notes, learned some things, asked some questions. Super awesome. I really appreciate you guys. I mean, I do this for you. Um, I love being in service to you guys, and this is, Super great just to connect with you, you folk. Um, so yeah, there's one more question. Type it up real quick and then I'll try to answer it. And then if that's about it, then we'll just end the live stream here. Thank you to all the ones that came. This was awesome. It's a great way to start um, the Saturday, start the weekend. Uh, I'm gonna go to do some groceries. I'm gonna be really excited that I was able to offer some value before um, doing the rest of my errands and whatnot. And yeah, so hey, Hillskirt, thanks so much for coming out. I'm glad that you found it was helpful. 
And yeah, if you have any questions, feel free to DM me. If I can't answer the questions, I always try to point people towards the financial professionals that can answer the questions just because I am not a financial guru. I know a lot of my friends will say I am. I always say that I'm not, even if I've built those seven streams of income. Um, but I am a student forever. That's why I'm a philosopher. I'm an eternal student. I'm always gonna be learning about this. I'm always gonna be trying, testing new things, trying to share with you guys info that I learn. And yeah, hopefully we can all become financially independent one day and it'll just be a little bit easier for families. And I mean, it's basically why I'm doing this for my parents, for my family, um, for my future, future family, setting up a foundation for them and whatnot. So I guess that's about it. No more questions. Awesome. You're very welcome, Sam. Um, good stuff at the jam yesterday. And yeah. I'll see you guys next time. Thanks again for joining the Financial Literacy live seminar, live um, stream of How to Never Be Broke Again. If you want to support, you can get the book. It is on Amazon. You do not have to. I would appreciate it if you did, um, but you don't have to. So awesome. Let me know how you enjoyed it. Hit that heart for one last time. Hit a little wave for one last time. Let Instagram know. Let the algorithm know that these kind of seminars are actually something that is useful and offers you guys some utility. And yeah, go do those missions. Thanks for hitting the heart. Take notes on those um, principles and yeah, do the missions. That's the most important part. That's why I put the missions into this book, into this seminar, so that you guys can actually do the steps to get and ingrain these principles. So have an awesome Sunday, Saturday, sorry, and peace. Patrick Larry here, the teacher, philosopher, and investor. You guys are awesome, and I'll see you guys soon.